The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. present in this place, my Father, in every life joining us over the internet, that you do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men, and let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, in Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And um, as you are aware, today we are looking at Miracle Worker. And the Miracle Worker is God. It's God that does miracles. It's God that does the things that no man can do. He is the Miracle Worker. And we explained last week that God is so awesome, it's so big, it's so great that, you know, there are billions and billions of stars in the galaxy and in the observable universe, billions and billions of stars. And we explained last week that God doesn't just know the number, God knows their names. God knows the names of every star out there. And that is huge because if you, if you just say to any of us here, um, begin to ask people their names from this end of the auditorium to that end of the auditorium. By the time you finish getting everybody's name and you come back to this end of the auditorium, I'm sure you will struggle to remember some names. And that's just the truth. But God knows the stars by name, each one of them. God is so big and so huge that the whole universe cannot contain him. We learned last week also that not as big as he is, he's so interested in us to the very minute 
detail of our lives. We explained that God knows the number of air on our head. And beyond that, beyond them being counted, God says they are numbered. So all the air on your head is numbered. If you touch one, God can tell you that's number 355. If you touch another one, you can say that's number 12,720. If you touch another one, you can say that's number 300,552. And on and on and on. God knows every strand. Not just knows every strand. Every strand is numbered. So why would you feel rejected? Why would you feel like your life means nothing? Why would you feel that you're just floating around? God is acutely aware of every detail of your life. It's unbelievable. And that's why he says to us that look at the sparrow. They do not sow, they do not reap. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. He says, how much more you? Oh, you of little faith. God wants you to know today that he's aware of every detail of your life and he knows the plans that he has for you. He was saying to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, he was asking a question. He says, behold, I am the God, the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I mean, I'm able to do, I'm able to undo. Is there anything too hard? Think about what are the things in your life right now that you that you think is really too hard for you? What are the things that are frustrating you? Think about it. And just put them side by side with God. And God is asking you, is this too hard for me to do? There's nothing about you that God doesn't know. And there's nothing about you that surprises God. God knows and created the DNA that is in your system and in my system. And the DNA is so complicated that scientists tell us that they, they could only de, um, um, decode and unravel 2% with all the advancement. Only 2% of the human DNA. And there was a, there's a, a group of scientists that says the remaining 98% is junk. Then another group of scientists says that the fact that you don't understand them. Don't let us call it junk. <laughs> you know, human beings are very funny. We, we, what we don't understand, we just say it's junk. We just say it's... Um... And if you, if you look at the DNA, for instance, the scientists tell us that if you stretch the DNA of a human being, it says from end to end, guess how long the DNA would be, your DNA would be from end to end. Just guess. Scientists tell us 12 billion kilometers. Yeah. It's okay to say what? I mean, I was shocked too. The first time I came up about this truth, you, you could check it up. 12 billion kilometers in one human being. If you stretch, say, if this, those strands, if you stretch them out and God packaged everything and put it inside you and everything is working well, so, so when he says, I am the God of all flesh. <laughs> and so, to, to, to put this in perspective, 1.2 billion kilometers. The distance between the earth and the sun is 150 million kilometers. Guess what? Your DNA will reach the sun and back four times. You go, stretch, it hasn't finished, you come back, it hasn't finished, you go, it hasn't finished. In one human being. I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Oh, if you look at the moon, side by side, 
the, the, the human DNA. The Bible says the moon is 380, the scientists say the moon is 384,000 kilometers away. So the DNA will stretch to the moon and back 1,500 times, 1,500 times. Boom. That moon that you're seeing, every time you look up in the moon, if God were to unpack you, you are so loaded. If God were to unpack you and stretch you, you get to the moon and back 1,500 times. It's big. It's big. And, and God was saying to Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 5, that I knew you before I formed you. And in your mother's womb, I knew you before I formed you. So there is a you that existed in God before the you that was formed in your mother's womb. So God is saying, I knew the you that existed in me before I formed you in your mother's womb and I configured your DNA and I programmed you. I wrote your software. <laughs> and he says, I've ordained you. I've, I've anointed you. I've ordained you to, to become this and to become that and to become this and to become that. Now, listen to me. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. God is not, God is not just waking up today and saying, oh, this, this guy, what do we do with him? Or what do we do with her? <laughs> no. There is a plan for your life. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you will fulfill your destiny. In the mighty name of Jesus. And this God is so huge. He's so great. He's so mighty. And there are many sides to him. But at the core of God is a, bad, is a virtue of who God really is. In other words, if God was to, to bleed, if you cut God open, what flows out is something that flows out. God is a man of war. It, it, it kills, it makes alive, but at the core of God is not war. There are many things about God, but at the core of God, there's a particular virtue. That's what we're going to zoom in on today. If God were to bleed, if you were to poke God or prick God or, or take his blood, what will flow? Is love. And we have to understand this. First John 4, 8 says to us, but anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God. You know why? For God is love. At the heart of this awesome God is love. Like I said, if you were to bleed, what would come out of it? In fact, when he bled on the cross, what came out of his bleeding? Love. What took him to the cross? Love. What sent him here? Love. So, God's love is what we need to encounter and what we need to live by. You know, I, I give the illustration, you know, I, I, I walk, I, I mean, where I live and maybe sometimes at midnight I come out of my house and I'm walking and praying, walking and praying and all of a sudden, boom. You know, God's presence intensifies, you know. The first few times, I really get a little bit on, a little bit restless, you know, that, yeah, because I know, I'm acutely aware that this same God created the heavens and the earth and is able to do like this and I am dead. And guess what? Nobody can query him. This same God is huge and mighty, but this same God is my father and he loves me. So the warmth I feel, the interaction of love I, I experience in walking with God, and you know, sometimes I just stay on the street for two hours. I don't want to come back home. Why? Because of the love of God. Now, I know some of us, when we pray, we say, oh, 
thou great and magnificent, omnipotent God of heaven, of the universe. We come to you today. In an, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He's all that. He's great. He's magnificent. He's omnipotent. He's God of the universe. And all, and all, and all, and all, and all. But guess what? When Jesus prayed, when he taught us to pray, Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, our Father. God wants to come to him through love. Not through how great and mighty he is. God wants us to relate with him because he is love and he is our father. You will get very far in life and get away with many things when you call God dad. You You know, there's a different side that opens up to you when... um, I don't want to say something. When you call God the judge of the whole earth, he will answer to whatever you call him. Well, I would rather call him dad. <laughs> Not the judge of the whole earth, which he is anyway. So, God is love. So, what is it that causes love to last what, how can I manifest this love of God? How can, I, how can it ooze out of me consistently? What decisions do I have to make? What choices do I have to make to make the love in my life, in my relationship, to last? If you are married and you are here in this place, I'm happy for you because what you are going to learn, what you are learning now is going to change your marriage and take it to a higher level in Jesus' name. If you are single, I'm happier for you because you know what we didn't know when we were getting married. When we got married, a lot of things were trial and error. We stumbled. It's like, but right now, you are going in with your eyes wide open. You are informed and equipped and empowered. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm single, but I don't want to get married. Fine. I'm even happier for you because you can encourage the married folks in your life. Yeah, Paul wasn't married. And he encouraged married people. In fact, one of the most profound encouragement, of inspired encouragement in the Bible was from Paul. And he wasn't married. So experience is, less, is lesser than inspiration. Inspiration is higher than experience. So, fantastic. You can learn from this. God says to us in 1 Peter one twenty two, he says, and you know, when I read it, you know, I'm like, God, help me. God says, you must keep on loving with all your heart. You, you what? Must. What does must mean? By force. You must keep on loving. With, with a part of your heart, Oh, your heart. So, my question is, how do I do that? How do I keep on loving with all my heart for a lifetime? If love is going to last, how do I make love last? So, if if love is going to last, what choices do I have to make? What do I have to do? If love is going to last, these four things you and I must do. If love is going to last, number one, if love is going to last, I must listen with all my heart. I must say, listen with all my heart. I must listen with all my heart. If love is going to last, I must listen with all my heart. And it's important because listening is one thing that we don't, really don't like doing. We like talking. In fact, we, sometimes we enjoy hearing ourselves talk. If only we would listen one to another. In James 1.19, you know, God, God just gives us this amazing um, guidance. 
He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Excuse me. If all the marriages in this place, if we just implement those three things, we are slow to speak. If, if you are slow to speak in your marriage, don't you know that it's going to get better? If you are slow to get angry, what will happen to, to that marriage? Or if you are quick to listen. God is saying to you and I, be quick to listen. And sometimes we struggle with listening because we don't, we don't really know how to listen. One of the keys to listening is that you have to listen to them like they want you to say, like they want to say it. You have to listen to them like they want to say it. Not like you want to hear it. Many times we want to listen to people like we want to hear it. No. You have to listen to people like they want to say it. We want people to talk the way we want to hear. No. God says you have to hear the way they, they, they want to talk. So if, if you're in any relationship, in a marriage relationship, you have to listen to your spouse the way they talk. For instance, I, the way I tell stories, I mean, when my wife asks, oh, how was your day? I mean, sometimes men dread that question, you know, because it makes us freeze. You don't even know where to start. <laughs> so most men are like me, or like I'm like most men. How was your day? This is how I like to tell my story, like a jet. I take off, I go straight to the point, and I land the jet, Right? So, how's your day? Fine. If you squeeze a little bit, I tell you, one, two, three, boom, I'm done. Then I keep quiet. Then she asks, would you ask me how my day was? I'm in trouble today. <laughs> would you ask me how my day was? I'm like, oh, okay, okay. How was your day? Oh, hey. You know, I tell stories like a jet. My wife tells stories like a helicopter. She rises, she goes to this place, she hoovers a little bit, hoovers, come to this place and hoovers a little bit, and, I'm, and my, my stomach is turning. <laughs> and I'm like, go straight to the point. She says, wait, we have not finished. I'm not finished. I'm like, okay, just to help you, this is what happened, right? And then she keeps quiet. She says, yes, but you, you, have not, you have not heard this side of the story. But I need to tell you this side of the story. And she tells me this side of the story. I tell you that side of the story. I tell you that story. But you, you know what? I, I am learning. I'm still learning. I am learning to listen to her as she wants to say it. Not as I want to hear it. And it's, it's the other way around. The other way around. She also has to listen to me as I want to say it. No long stories. I just want to say, I don't take off. I land my plane. I'm happy. So she has to listen to me as I want to. I will be happy. So for love to last, I must listen with all my heart. Number two, for love to last, if love is going to last, I must not only listen with all my heart, I must forgive with all of my heart. I must forgive with all my heart. I must forgive with all my heart. You know, the challenge with us is we, we confuse um, acceptance with forgiveness. Acceptance is not forgiveness. There's a difference between acceptance and forgiveness. When you're married or in a relationship with anybody, there are going to be acceptance issues and there are going to be forgiveness issues. But you need to see acceptance issues as an acceptance issue and a forgiveness issue. For instance, I mean, if you, uh, maybe the, the, um, 
The wife gets to the bathroom and the husband always leaves the toilet seat up. And I don't know why, I still don't know why women get angry with that thing. I just say, just put it down. What's the big deal? I said, why can't you put this thing down when you are done? And she says, I forgive you for not putting it down. Is that a forgiveness issue? That's an acceptance issue. Just accept it. Well, that's how it is. It is what it is. The seat closed up when I go in there. <laughs> it's an acceptance issue. You know, or the other way around. Let's say, give the example of the, of the toothpaste tube. <laughs> it's not only husband and wife. I just saw a sister telling her brother, I told you to be putting down this thing. So it happens to the sister and brother too. I like to squeeze my tube, my toothpaste tube from the top down, right? God is a God of order. Just from the top down. I squeeze it down. My wife, I don't know, she just likes to grab the thing. From the middle, I just squeeze it. You know, I'm like, come on. You know, so we've had a conversation. I've tried to explain it's not even spiritual to squeeze it from the middle because God is a God of order. You know, and she, she would, uh, next time, she will squeeze it again. So I said to myself, okay. This is an acceptance issue. I could go to her and say, oh, I forgive you for squeezing it in the middle. It's not, it's not, it's not a forgiveness issue. So I said to myself, okay, I, I don't want to get angry. So I go to the stores, and that's a big deal. And I buy two <laughs> tubes of toothpaste. And I put it there. And I call her. I said, come, come. I want to show you something. She comes. She thinks I was surprised that with something. I said, look at this. This is my own, and this is your own. Now, you may be laughing. You know, this kind of things really get under your skin. Um, is that so? So that there will be peace in this house. So, and I'm squeezing my own, JJ, from the top to the bottom. And I go the following day, and she has squeezed my toothpaste from the middle. I'm like, but I told you that this is your own and this is my own. And she says, eh, I didn't know. Was that your own that squeezed? Okay, give me the other one. (laughs) I'm like, something is wrong in this place. (laughs) Can't we just do things in a spiritual way in this house? So you know what I do next? I buy my own, I buy our own. I leave our own in the toilet. I'm going to hide my own. <laughs> they say, Pastor, did you really do that? Yes. <laughs> I did. But guess what? When she was, I thought she wasn't looking, and I go to put, take my toothpaste and use it was squeezed from me. <laughs> 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 I'm like, now. <laughs> What, is, what am I going to do? There's only one solution. Accept it. That is your... That's your portion. Until you see Jesus. The toothpaste is going to be squeezed from me. Just accept it. That's what I've done. I'm a happy man. So the acceptance things. The man doesn't... Well, doesn't really remember your birthday. You shouldn't try it, have you? You look at some woman and say, Pastor, don't even go there. But sometimes, you see, I was telling them the secret of why men forget some days. In the second worship experience. You know why? Should I tell you? You know why we forget those days sometimes? I should tell you. The reason we forget those days sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, the reason we forget those days is that we are busy thinking how to take care of you. 
We are saying, what will she wear? What lipstick will she put on? Is it correct? Is it pink? Is it? What food will she eat? Which air will she make? Man, is that also? Romans 15, 7 says to us, therefore, accept each other. How should we accept each other? Just as Christ accepted you, so that God will be giving glory. So when we accept each other, God is glorified. When we accept each other, God is glorified. So accept each other and give God glory. But the truth is that there are, there are Acceptance issue, there is acceptance and there is actually forgiveness. You have two imperfect people. You are going to step on each other's toes. You are going to say things that are hurtful. Somebody is going to be careless. Somebody is going to be outright mean sometimes. But God wants us to forgive. Ephesians 4.32, Ephesians 4.32, the, the word of God says that instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. And, you know, sometimes I, I said to myself, long time ago, though, that God, it, it shouldn't it be better if you had said something like, you know, when you are reading the Bible, you are trying to tell God what, she, what he should have said, you know? I said, if you had said something like, not offending one another, isn't that better than this, Lord? But God knows that we are broken people. God knows that we will offend each other. God knows that it is impossible for us not to offend each other. So he says to us, forgive one another. Forgive one another. So marriage, like someone says, is a union of two great forgivers. Marriage is a union of two great forgivers. You have to forgive and keep on forgiving. So for love to last, number one, I must what? I must listen with all my heart. Number two, for love to last, I must Forgive with all my heart. Number three, for love to last, I must be humble with all my heart. I must be humble with all my heart. And you see, we could easily have said, I must be unselfish with all my heart. But that's a subset of being humble. Selfishness is a major destroyer of marriage. A huge, big destroyer of marriage. You have two people that are saying, this is mine. This is yours. Don't touch my... I mean, the guy is just taking a, a cup of coffee, you know, with, with a mug. Just took any mug and, and brewed coffee and it was, the guy is, was taking the coffee and you come and say, why are you using my cup? Does that happen? The lady is just having some dinner, you know, and you're like, you are using my spoon again. You don't respect me in this house. This is daddy's spoon. What's all that about? And as simple as that is, sometimes it can get worse. The selfishness can be magnified in a big way. Talking to a young man, and I, I said to him, you know, that you're a very selfish person. He says, Pastor, I know. I said to him that your marriage is heading for the rocks. If you don't take these steps that I'm going to recommend... And ask God to help you. This marriage is going to end. You know, sometimes because we are Christians, we think because we are Christians, we can do anything we want to do. The marriage is, eh, God hates divorce. You see, that's foolishness. If you keep on being selfish like this to this woman, you will terminate this marriage with your hands. As we speak today, the marriage doesn't exist. Why? Because he refused. He told me that's how God made me. Since I, I've been a very selfish person since I was born. I'm telling you. 
Then we say it's the devil. Is that the devil? Look, single people, don't marry a selfish man. It's just an advice. And don't marry a selfish woman. Just an advice. It's a huge destroyer. It's, 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 if you're selfish, you can't be humble and selfish at the same time. It doesn't work. You can't be. Selfishness is one of the major canker worms. Philippians 2.3, God is saying to us in Philippians 2.3, says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. It doesn't mean you are not good. It just means that you are good. But when you are relating, think of the other person as better than yourself. It doesn't mean you are not important. It just means that when you are relating, treat the other person as more important. If you are the husband, treat your wife as more important than you. If you are the wife, treat your husband as more important than you. And that's what the Bible is saying. So if that two pieces of meat and you came home first, it is only one piece of meat, and you came home first, and this is an example, and you are the husband, and you came home first, and there's only one piece of meat, what should you do? Just work thereby solo with no meat and leave the meat for your wife. When she comes, she will just see the meat and say, wow, you left it for me. Fantastic. God bless you. You get something special. I'm not saying that's why you should do it. I'm just saying, same thing. If you're the wife, the husband, you have one piece of, only one piece of meat. And the man is coming and you are home first. Don't eat it and say, hey, next time you, you give more money so that there'll be more piece of meat. When you eat dinner without meat, you know. God says, consider the other person as better than yourself. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just how it is. And unselfishness is not scratch your back, I scratch, I, scratch, I scratch my back. It's not I scratch your back to scratch my back. That's not what it is. That is a transaction. Unselfishness is I scratch your back and I scratch your back. That's unselfishness. When you say, I, I, scratch, I just scratch your back, you are, it's your turn, scratch my back. Yeah, it's good to, to do things for each other. But you see, when it comes to selfish or selfishness, it is, I do it and I do it and I do it. I do it because that is what God requires of me to do. A pastor was preaching a sermon and, um, someday, and there's this couple, husband and wife, they will come to church, hold hands, sit somewhere close to the front, have a good time. During the sermon, the husband will put his hand around his wife, you know, and, and all that. And some of you are like, Pastor, is that allowed in church? Yes, it is. And like I said in the second worship experience, if you are sitting beside your wife, you can go ahead and put your hands around her now, in Jesus' name. Just try and do it, just try and do it. Don't, don't, don't do it like this. Just try, just try. It's too hot. Yeah, try it now. Try, try. <laughs> look straight to you. Everybody else, look straight. <laughs> Can you see? You guys are doing it. Hey, awesome. <clears throat> so, this couple, on this day, came to the church, eyeing each other. They sat at the back. The husband sat down. The wife shifted for him sat, there was a seat between them and they were just after a while, they just eyed each other and God. But as God will have it, the pastor was talking about 1 Corinthians 13. And love is patient, love is kind, love does not keep record of wrong, it is not hurtful and all that and all that and all that. And God was working on their heart and God was working on their heart and God was working on their heart. By the time the pastor looked up, there was no space between them. The both of them were sitting side by side and holding each other. The seat between them was empty, was, sorry, was occupied. The empty seat between them was occupied. So the question is, who moved? Who moved? Was it the man that moved? Or was it the woman that moved? Who moved? Woman? Man? Who should move? If you say the man, say man. 
If you think the woman, say woman. <laughs> Going by the Robert's rule of parliamentary procedures, the woman carried the day. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, but the, the, the question is this. We should move. Is it a man or is it a woman? We should move. But the key thing is this. It doesn't matter who moved. There was no more space between the man and the woman. It doesn't matter who moved. But if you drill down, who should really move? The person that should move is the person that is closer to God. The person that should move is the person that remembers this scripture. The person that should move is the person that submits more to God. That's the person that should move. And that's a more mature person. You know, talking to a couple, husband and wife, the wife is more spiritual in the sense that she comes to church more often. She speaks in tongues louder. She does all this spiritual gymnastics. The guy is a good guy. He comes to church. He doesn't miss church. But he doesn't somersault and all that. And we had to talk. And because of discussion, the guy says, he's the one that is always apologizing and doesn't mind. I looked at the lady. I said, you don't apologize? He said, no. Apologize. Why? So the question is, who is more spiritual? Who is closer to God? It's the man. It's, it's the person that yields to God. That is the most spiritual person. Not the person that prays the loudest. And that's how it is. So I said to myself, for me, who should move? I should always move. I should move. Every time you ask yourself that question, who should move? The answer is who? What? I should move. I should move. That's the answer. I should move. If you say, hey, but pastor, I moved yesterday. You should move today. Oh, oh, the last three times, I'm the one that has been moving. Oh, I am the one. No, 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 no. I should move. Because in marriage, if you are keeping score, you have already lost. In marriage, if you are keeping score, you've already lost. Keeping score, you've already lost. So, how many times should I move? I move. Anytime there is space, I move. You will find out inevitably in your communication there's going to be a seat between you. It just happens. There's going to be space between you. In your intimacy, over time, there's going to be space between you. It's, it's just, that's just how life is. And the question will arise, who should move? Who should move? I'll show you how, you know, I mean, my wife and I sometimes, everybody's not happy. Every face outside of the bed, between face by side of the bed. And we are talking duvet. <laughs> she pull the duvet on this side. So there was a, there's a space between us. We should move. Is he a whole pastor? <laughs> we should move. point. Every time the question faces me, who should move? The answer is I should move. That's the answer. In fact, what God wants is that both of us will be mature in God, that we are both rushing to move. We are both colliding with each other on the seat. You know, there's a seat here, there's a seat here. We notice the space. I am trying to fill it. She's trying to fill it and boom. That is what should happen. 
Praise the name of the Lord. And the issue is, is so beautiful because if you just obey God, it's very simple actually. You know, marriage is some institution where you have two people that have the chance of making themselves the most happiest people on earth. But in many cases, they turn out to make themselves the most miserable people on earth. You have this golden opportunity that God has given you to make yourself the most happiest people on earth. So I, I said to my, to my wife some time ago, I said, let us choose one. Are we going to fight or are we going to be happy? Choose one. She says, let's be happy. Says, so let's forget about all this fight. Yeah, come here, Jerry. End of story. End of story. End of story. It's as simple as that. We like to complicate things too much. So if love is to endure, if love is to last, if love is to grow, and love is to last in our lives, in our marriages, and relationships, number one, I must listen with all my heart. Number two, I must forgive with all my heart. Number three, I must be humble with all my heart. And number four, I must love God with all my heart. I must love God with all my heart. Mark 12, 30 says to us that, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I must love God with all my heart. God created you, and that's the truth. God created you. God created marriage. Marriage was God's idea. Marriage was not man's idea. God created marriage. So the closer you get to God, the closer you get. The closer you get to God, the closer you get. It doesn't get closer than that. So if you have two people that God is not their priority, maybe one person God is their priority, but both of them God is not their priority, they can never be intimate. The mistake we make is that, oh, as long as we are together, as long as we love each other, if you are married long enough, you discover that it doesn't work. The only thing that unites and unifies and solidifies is God. It's the God in the equation. And, you know, so that's why it really just doesn't make sense to to get attacked or love or marry an unbeliever. It just just doesn't make sense. You can enjoy the thrill for a short while. It's going to be filled with sorrow. Not because anybody doesn't like you, but that's just how it is. Anyway, there's a triangle that we use in, um, we've been taught with this triangle, but I, I use it a lot in teaching. If love is going to last, the distance, you see, at the base of the triangle, the distance between the man and the woman is wide. Can you see that? But as the man moved closer to Jesus and the woman moved closer to Jesus, the distance between them shortens. Can you see that? But as the ideal is the man will be one with Christ and the woman will be one with Christ. What happens to the distance between them? It's gone. And that's why, that's why the, the word of God says that a three-braided cord is not easily broken. Christ is the third person in that relationship that unites and bonds that relationship together. So if love is going to last, I must listen with all my heart. I must forgive with all my heart. I must be humble with all my heart. And number four, I must love God with all my heart. And the truth is that none of us can do this by our own strength. We can't by our own self. In ourselves, we can't. We need God to help us. So let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's just ask God for help. Let's just say, Father, give me the help to listen with all my heart. I have a challenge listening, Lord. I just like to talk and talk and talk and listen to and hear myself speak. I have a challenge listening. Give me, oh God. The grace to listen with all my heart. Some of you, you need to say, Lord, help me to forgive 
with all my heart. Some of you need to say, help me to be humble with all my heart. Some of you need to say, Lord, I need to love you with all my heart. I have drifted away from you. Or you you are saying, I've never, never given my life to Jesus before. Pastor, can I give my life to Jesus today? Yes, you can. Can I come to God today? Yes, you can, my brother. Yes, you can, my sister. Can I come and be united with this God? Yes, you can. What if I've been, I used to be with him, but I've, I'm now far away from God. Can I come back? Yes, God, wants, God loves you. He wants you to come back. Pastor, can you pray for me? Yes, I want to pray for you now. Should I come forward? No, you don't have to come forward. Where you are seated, I want to pray for you wherever you are seated. The privacy of your seat. I say, Pastor, that is me. Pray for me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, God bless you. Put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, well, over your head. Not your, on your head, over it. God bless you. That corner, God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Right at that corner, God bless you. That is me. Put up that hand. God bless you right there. Keep it up. Keep the hands up. I'm going to pray with you now. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you, my, my sister. God bless you. My brother, God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I am far from God. I want to come close and intimate with him. If you have the card, hands up, they're going to put a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down the hand. It's okay. And just cry to God. Help me. I, I am coming to you today. Save me. Draw me closer. Cleanse me. Talk to him. You want to join these people? Before I pray, you can put up your hands and I'm going to pray with you wherever you are. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that is surrendered to you today. We ask that you draw them closer to yourself. Change these lives totally. And let your name be glorified. Everybody here, Lord, give us the grace to listen with all our hearts. The grace to forgive with all our hearts. To be humble with all our hearts. And to love you with all our hearts. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Praise the Lord.